Made in Monrovia, bringing you stories of the people who help create the magic in our city. Hey, everybody. Hey, welcome to welcome. the Made in Monrovia podcast. Welcome. It's our first episode, and it's also the inaugural season for the podcast, and we're excited about it. Yes. We're the Soups. We are the Soups. I'm Barrett Soup, and you are? Andrew Soup. Uh, and we are a husband and wife team. Um, we own a business here in Monrovia. Um, we work together, and it's called B Scene Company. And what we do at B Scene Company is audio and video production. Can you tell us a little bit more about yeah. why we do it? It's all about storytelling. Mm. And so we thought we would share about the host of the podcast today, which is us. Right. And start that out so you know who will be doing the interviewing and why we do what we do. So our company is all about storytelling. It's really helped us in our marriage and our life and just being with people and healing ourselves. So we love storytelling, ta- mm-hmm. helping people share their stories to a larger audience. We like hearing stories. Yeah. In general. I mean, yeah. we like our, our stories and we like to hear other people's stories. And For example, Made in Minervia. Right. So we love um, just asking good questions and listening and helping people create content to share with larger audiences mm. through the podcast and video medium. So we'll start off. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, since I was made in Monrovia. Right. So I moved to Monrovia when I was 10 years old. Uh, my mom remarried. I was in Azusa, and so that brought us to Monrovia on Norumbega Drive, uh, kind of up in the mountains with the bears. Mm. And so I went to Clifton, good experiences there, little cheerleading at Clifton, and then I ended up going to Monrovia High. I was always a very positive, energetic child, did a little acting when I was younger, and so freshman year, mm-hmm. I tried out for cheerleading and in I high school varsity team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was my life. Sophomore year. Varsity cheerleading. I was the captain. Yeah, that was my... That's an accomplishment. It was. And I think um, it just kind of demonstrated I was always kind of a leader and always up for a challenge. And so cheerleading was my life. I also was really involved in church. So I was a church kid, and I would end up meeting a boy there, very handsome, older, and I kind of used all of my, uh, I was really a caregiver too. So mm-hmm. I really, um, I, I think it would make sense that I kind of- So your whole, wait, wait, yeah, give a little background to that. Well, I like I led the cheer squad, but I think that was um, representation of me just kind of always being a mother hen and looking out for other people, making sure other people were okay. And so I always kind of had that posture in life. And so when I got into a relationship my sophomore year, freshman year actually, I um, I think I used, transferred kind of all of those caretaking. I was always really looking for other people and meeting their needs. And I really kind of put a lot of energy into this relationship mm. that would kind of take a turn and become unhealthy my sophomore year. And by my junior year, spring of my junior year, I would find myself pregnant. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I left Monrovia High. And I finished some independent study in Monrovia through Mountain Park, which is an independent study continuation school in Monrovia. And then I would start at uh, Citrus College early and get start 
uh, my college credits. And that would take me four years. At Citrus. At Citrus, Mm -hmm. yeah. And so as you can imagine, raising a son, Mm -hmm. um, I ended up moving out of Monrovia uh, for college. I lived in Temple City and my grandmother would help me watch my son Mm -hmm. as I continued with school. And I would come back to Monrovia though and I would uh, care give, which was a very appropriate profession for me to get started in, was I would care give for a man who was a quadriplegic. Mm. So he was paralyzed from the neck down. And I cared for him since my son was crawling. uh, It was probably 2004 I started caring for him and I just actually kind of just ended that job recently. So I always kept my connection with Minervia. And then um, uh, just I, I'd say it was a real struggle kind of going to school, working, caring for this man, and then caring for my son. Mm-hmm. And then I still kind of just had a lot of drama and still kind of caring for my son's dad. Mm-hmm. And uh, there finally came a point where there was definitely some abuse that went on and emotional um struggles and abuse for a Mm -hmm. lot of years and there finally came a point where I had to do something different for the sake of my own health my own mental health for my son who was growing Mm -hmm. um and so I started seeing myself more and I kind of started slowly switching gears of taking care of everybody else and kind of started doing some more internal work and started going to therapy. Mm-hmm. So I continued to do school and I graduated from Cal State Fullerton in I want to say like 2010. And then my son and I moved out on our own back to Monrovia, mm. which just seemed really right because I worked there and I was familiar with the area and grew up here. So uh, we did that. And a year later, I would meet you. Mm-hmm. And we would marry in 2011, and then we would move two doors down to a bigger house mm-hmm. on the same street. <laughs> we like Minerva. Mm-hmm. Uh, after we got married, I went on and did my master's, and I loved kids, and so I thought I wanted to teach, and then I took a year off and thought, Kai, I really got to find a master's program, something that speaks to me. I remember reading something on social work, and it was all about social justice and caring for people and emotional health and I thought ah, that is what I care about I care about health because there's been so many people on my journey that have helped me my job in Monrovia for instance um, just that job and the people they helped care for me and kind of lead me and point me more to me mm. and so I just had different experiences with people that just really um, helped me survive and even thrive so uh, I went to school for social work, and that was a four-year program, and finished that. Uh, clinical work was my focus with families and children to be a therapist. So uh, that is what I'm currently doing, <laughs> is <laughs> I'm a therapist in Burbank. And it's all about storytelling. Yeah. I'm realizing how much I use storytelling as a therapist, and I go to therapy, and I share my story. And then I'm a therapist and I put on my therapist hat and I hear people's stories. And just to be with a story, how healing that is, you have to look at it to explore it, to challenge it, 
because we come with certain beliefs about ourselves. Like mm. 16-year-old Leandra had certain mm. beliefs about herself that I had written a certain story and that's all I could see. But it wasn't until I came to my therapist and started sharing my story where we could look at it and challenge it and those limiting thoughts that I had about myself and about my life and about me as a mom. Mm. Um, when they were held safely, my story was held safely and we could explore it and look at it. I began to expand my thoughts and my feelings would change and my behaviors would change. Mm -hmm. And so storytelling has really, I'd say kind of brought me back to life over the years, sharing my stories. So it's not a surprise that I would want to start a company mm -hmm. called be seen. Mm -hmm. Cause I think it's when we're truly seen that we connect with ourselves and we can connect with other people. So. Hmm. There it's no it. stories. <laughs> I mean, I even want to think about you talk about stories because yeah. I've, I know that story. My story? Th that you've told. Yeah. But I think that there's a value to every, every time you hear the story, mm -hmm. certain things you can pull from it. It's like watching yeah. a movie, like one, two, three or four times, right? You'll, you'll catch different things, you know, think, right? So it changes things. So we'll, even hearing that story, there's things I'm listening to, like, and remembering being a part of the story even. Yeah. I remember that, you know, remember that part or just even appreciating it from a different perspective. Yeah. Now as I'm listening to it differently. Yeah. So it's, it's also about listening to things you yeah. know, differently as well. And so. it's always moving, always changing because right. we are. Right. I just recently shared, I speak sometimes, um, sharing my story about being a teen mom and my journey. And I just shared recently to a group of teen moms mm -hmm. and... I had rewritten it kind of for my audience. And at the end, I started crying. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, we've never, you've never really cried? Well, I have, but at different points and at different times. And so it just, wherever I was at that day, I just had so much gratitude or I was seeing the story from another angle that I hadn't shared publicly before. Mm -hmm. And my story kind of helped. You heard <laughs> it. Change in Yeah, yeah. Me. You heard it in a way that was, yeah. Yeah. And it's in that connected with this connectedness with other people mm -hmm. where it just feels like humanity i think safe right is a strong word what do you mean giving it a safe place yeah so it's like we were talking about going to your therapist and he, he was able to or she was able to hold your therapist was able to hold it yeah safely for you so you're able to look at it differently and we don't often feel like we have a safe kind of space to do that and so even if you were telling these young moms yeah it felt safe enough where you you could even be more vulnerable, and you heard your story with a different, a different way, and you were able to cry. Yeah, which is safety is huge, important. And I think that's what we do at Be Seen is mm -hmm. as we work with people, um, we're open to collaborating on so many different things. We love art and we love storytelling, so those kind of elements are interwoven in whatever we do, mm -hmm. whether we're doing podcast or um, videos or creating like promo videos mm -hmm. for people. I think it is that safety part is that we bring ourselves mm -hmm. and we know what it's like to be vulnerable right. and go to those places and explore them. So when we're with people, we're going to hold that space for them. Right. And we're going to be able to really look and want to celebrate those parts of them that they may not um, readily share. Right. We, we're, we're really wanting to see them and ask the questions and get to the bottom of the heart and the essence of what they're wanting to share. And right. I think that's what's kind of unique 
about us mm-hmm. as creators and artists and producers. So, hmm. Soup, yeah. would you like to share with me? Yeah, no, I mean, my story, uh, and thanks for sharing. It's, yeah. it's always fun to hear again and again. I mean, I always enjoy pulling pieces. Me, I grew up, um, I did not grow up in Monrovia. I grew up in uh, two places, I would say. A majority was like Baja Arcadia, which is the borders Monrovia. A lot of my friends ended up going to Monrovia High School who lived across the street from me. Um, my Back when my parents were married, my dad was a pastor. My mom worked for a, a, a nonprofit, World Vision International, which was in Monrovia. Yeah. Um, yeah, and my dad was an Arcadia police officer. But um, ended up working for Temple City Sheriff's Department after that, which he predominantly worked in Dewardy in Monrovia, which is interesting. Um, but growing up, about 10... 10 years old, um, my parents separated, and that was a big blow. Yeah. Well, for me, it was a, an identity shaker. So I was 10, 11, trying to, I was, I was transitioning between schools, um, and that was junior high. I was going into junior high, so I was probably 11 or 12, actually. Um, and after the divorce, there was lots of tension and different things that happened between my parents. Uh, I eventually ended up moving in with my dad at, um, I was probably 14. Him and I lived in Covina and, uh, I loved it. It was a, a great city. Kind of has the same feel for me. It was the same feel as Monrovia. It was a downtown area and yeah. off of Citrus. Uh, a lot of my friends were down there. It was a, a very street fair, kind of the same whole, whole kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but, um, I was missed significantly when my dad was off doing his it was working. He was a, basically considered him a single dad, I guess. He was working and doing his life, and I was uh, 14, 15, 16, uh, trying to live my own. And so trying to navigate through different friendships, looking up to older guys, kind of falling into the wrong crowd. Yeah. And then eventually um, ending up uh, getting involved in drugs um, pretty heavily. But... Um, Get up in the wrong crowd, ended up getting pretty involved with um, drugs for a long time. I'm going to go between 13 to 15 years and just leaving just a trail of wreckage. Yeah. Um, children, um, broken marriages, myself, a broken marriage. Um, and then eventually getting to a point where I was kind of at the end of my rope, uh, and actually almost at the end of my physical rope being beat to death almost with uh by some guys with a with bats and living through it but um after i lived through that i i was done i knew i was done and i was tired and i decided to turn myself into a a rehab and i wanted to straighten my life out so i did a one-year program out in paris california i got away from all of it yeah um i was successful with that i i i made it work uh, reestablished relationships with my mom, with my dad. Um, and then after that, I needed more. I just remember wanting more. Yeah. And, uh, you were just starting to live again. In yeah. Some ways. yeah. Yeah. I was, I was like a, like a, I don't know, 30 year old man trapped in a, you know, 14 year old body or something. It felt like just in my mind was just very immature. And I was starting to kind of like see things differently and just wanting more of whatever it was. Yeah. And wanted more guidance and more discipline, I think, for me, was important. And um, so I sought out a life coach. And um, 
kind of a weird circumstance. I sought him out and that was. Yeah. So that ended up being the man. Right. The quadriplegic man that I yeah. took care of for so many years ended up being his life coach. Right. So I would take uh, the man that I took care of. I would take him to a church to for his life coaching appointments. I would drive him and then Barrett was there and mm-hmm. uh, he always saw something special in Barrett and would rave about him. Right. Um, but I didn't pay much attention to you. No, you didn't even, you didn't even <laughs> see me. Wink, wink. I didn't see you. Um, yeah, yeah. And so <laughs> coming out of that, uh, yeah, this was a life coach that led me eventually to you because that was something that um, I was not intending. I really, even from the beginning, uh, meeting you, he said, she's my daughter. Yeah. And uh, I had a lot, I have a lot, I still have a lot of respect for him. Yeah. And um, it was one of those things that uh, I wasn't going to cross that that line with him because it yeah. was strategic. It was his daughter. And you were getting your life back. Yeah, and I was trying to straighten my own life out. I wasn't trying to, like, get in a relationship. I was trying to close one up, uh, Mm -hmm. try to sort some stuff out with, with, you know, that. And then, um, yeah, so it wasn't even on the radar for me. Yeah. And then it just kind of. A couple of years after that. Yeah, a couple years after that it happened. In a small group setting. Mm -hmm. um, Kind of a church group, support group. Yeah. And, um. So then we would connect after that. Uh, and then, so we've been married for about eight years now. It's almost exactly eight years, honey. Yeah, Our anniversary just passed on the 18th. Happy anniversary, <laughs> babe. <laughs> <laughs> just about eight years. Yeah, exactly. Eight. And, and some a days. few days. Yeah. But it's been tough. And I'd say even in our marriage, storytelling has mm-hmm. helped. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's in those times where we get stuck that we can really... When I come to you curious about what's really going on and about seeing you and not so much of how you're making me feel, I still need to hold those feelings Mm -hmm. and not neglect them. But when I really can pause on that for a second and really be curious about you and ask you more about what's going on for you, we got to do some storytelling the other day where you said, this is coming from this and this and this and stories of your past. Mm -hmm. And I got to meet you with such empathy. Mm And I think in that it helped expand my perspective of you. Sure. I had compassion for you. And then we could kind of, I could bring in my feelings and then talk about them. But, um, so with our anniversary just passing, like I have been thinking about storytelling and Mm -hmm. how it's played a role in our marriage and how we've created Be Seen. Right. So, um. Well, I want to go back to Be Seen where it was, where it started because it doesn't actually start with, uh, it starts with you. Because you actually started a, we had talked about, um, you wanted to put some stuff down, but you didn't know where to put it. You started the Instagram, Be Seen, and you were like, I want to have like a kind of, I want to yeah. start a video or a, a social media diary in a sense. Yeah. So you were just putting stuff up without any followers. Yeah. You weren't even, yeah. you were private and you weren't accepting right. any friends. So, <laughs> yeah. you were anti-social and media. And still, storytelling right. is still a struggle for me. Sure. To be, because even on this podcast. I'm going to be able to edit if I really need to. Yeah, you might not let, yeah. Um, people can email me and come back with a response, but it's kind of one-sided. Mm-hmm. And even if it's, as a therapist, it's very like, let's look at you. Sure. That's your job. Um, so I, I think it is in my life, uh, storytelling is an art and something being vulnerable is something I will always need to be intentional and work at. Right. Um, 
but yeah, just as I did my work in therapy, um, I was wanting to be seen more Mm -hmm. and I started a new therapist and he's kind of like, what do you want out of therapy? And I'm like, I want to be seen. Mm. I feel like I was missed a lot Mm -hmm. and I put other people in front of me, their feelings so much that I lost what I feel and knowing myself. Um, I'm kind of in the survival mode and making sure everyone is okay Mm -hmm. is how I survive. And I want to break that. So uh, Glendalyn Doyle has a quote. She's an author Mm -hmm. and she was an addict. And uh, I really look up to her and her work. She says, uh, do the next right thing, one thing at a time. Mm. And it'll lead you all the way home. And I kind of feel like Be Seen has just been a series of like doing the next right thing. Mm. And this is what it's morphed into today. Right. So I started taking steps of doing Instagram, writing some more vulnerable things via Instagram. Right. You practiced. And yeah. And mm-hmm. then I hit the public, public button. button. Yeah. And then. Then it got real. Um, and then you kind of started tapping into some creativity. Right. Well, we started. We What happened was we started the. Uh, we had started a podcast even before. A, fr- a friend of ours and uh, my friend John and I had started a podcast and I I just got this itch to like be good at it and it was just fun mm-hmm. and I went out and bought all this equipment and uh, master I was just trying to master it and learn it and figure it out and we did it in our in our house we had a little mini studio in our in our spare room yeah um, and then uh, that morphed into well we should probably get a better different space because we want to we were trying to expand things and then we built a studio and then not with like our own two hands but no 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 we built but, but <laughs> we basically we, we tried in space and then we've turned it into this thing and um it kind of morphed into well, i'd done photography i was taking a lot of photography classes and I, I enjoy photography and then we um you were doing be seen on the one on one side of things it was all these really great quotes and really you know deep uh, insights you were having for yourself that weren't like you weren't copying from people these were yeah really valuable things and then uh I did a video. I edited a video or something for somebody. I just figured out how to edit video. And then it was like, well, let's let's try that too. And then it just made sense. Being seen was, it just made sense for the like the, yeah. the title, the transition over to, for you and I to work together. Yeah. Our world's um, kind of collided. Yeah. So, so it was like this balance of the technical and the artistic were kind of coming together. Yeah. Um, and it hasn't always been easy mm-hmm. and we're learning and collaboration is a challenge and but fun yeah the challenge is fun we're getting good at it yeah. we're better it's actually enhancing our marriage and enhancing our communication i would i feel and it, like you talked about our storytelling it's enhancing that as well we're able to storytell differently with each other and we're able to see each other differently and we have an awareness yeah yeah and now we get to do it for a city right and do made in Nervia right. and I'm just really excited about that, bringing stories and hearing more about people and just giving people a microphone, Mm. I think is really powerful because, and it, it, it it says, I want to see you. I care. I'm curious. I want to understand. We're all far more interesting than we think we are to Mm -hmm. other people, truly. And I think when we can connect in this way, uh, we'll strengthen each other and we'll heal each other. Right. And it's kind of a leap. It can be a leap to be the first one to kind of open up a little bit. Mm-hmm. But I think it's when we do that, we invite it in other people. Encourage it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I need it at the end of the day. I need it. I want it. And this is my best attempt at 
creating a healthier me, healthier city, mm-hmm. healthier family unit within our family. Right. Um, it's the next right thing. It is the next right thing. One thing at a time. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the first episode of the Made in Monrovia podcast. It is really fun to connect on this podcasting platform. Remember, these are our stories from our community. So please, if you have a story that you would like to share, or if you know of a special Monrovian who you think would be an awesome guest for this podcast, please contact us by emailing us at bcingcompany at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at bcingco for stories, podcast updates, and more inspirational storytelling content. Peace to you, friends. We'll see you next week as we interview our new friend, San Choi, who's the founder of Rough and Roll Academy.